to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is... John Van Trieste. And the destination... Pingdong County, the 1940s. Recently, a bunker was discovered in a rural part of Taiwan's far south. Experts were sent to investigate the site, located on land that had been given a few years before to National Pingdong University of Technology and Science. They determined that this was a munitions depot, used during World War II. It was an exciting find, but hardly a surprise in this part of Taiwan. By the start of World War II, Taiwan had been subject to Japanese colonial rule for nearly 50 years. And it was here, around Taiwan's southernmost tip, that the Japanese military believed an Allied invasion of Taiwan would eventually come. The entire area was heavily fortified. But the invasion never came, and after the war, many sites were forgotten about. It is possible that there are still tunnels, bunkers, and munitions depots like this one that have yet to be rediscovered. Director of the Pingdong County Bureau of Cultural Affairs, Wu Jinfa, hopes that these sites will be preserved for future generations as protected historic sites. Despite the difficult memories of wartime Taiwan that they can bring back, he and his bureau are now taking the first steps to making sure these sites are preserved. Mr. Wu joins us today to talk about these military facilities and their significance. Mr. Wu says that many of these defensive works are products of the final years of World War II. Though a number of sites go back further, the war against the Allies during the 1940s saw Pingdong County in Taiwan's far south become a strategically vital point. He says there were historical reasons for expecting an Allied invasion here. Japan itself had plenty of experience landing troops along this coast. In 1874, before colonization, it had sent a punitive expedition against local indigenous people. Then in 1895, as part of the campaign to take control of Taiwan, Japan had landed a force here yet again. Taiwan's southern tip, it seemed, was a prime spot for an invasion. If Taiwan was the next target for the ally strategy of island hopping towards Japan, it followed in the minds of Japanese commanders that this would be the area where a landing would come. Towards the end of the war, the tide had also turned against Japan in the Philippines, which lay across from Taiwan's southern tip, just beyond the Basher Channel. By this time, the whole area was heavily fortified, with defenses running for miles and covering the whole of Taiwan's southern peninsula. Mr. Wu says there were three lines of defense. The outermost layer stretched along the shoreline. Mr. Wu says notable facilities on this line included a command center, where commanders could observe the accuracy of artillery launched towards the beach. If the guns further inland failed to hit their targets on the shore, the command center would call back and tell them how to adjust their aim. Another part of this first line of defense is an artillery bunker not far from Taiwan's southernmost point. 
Today, the spot is popular among tourists. Come to watch the tropical sunsets there. Few know that not far away sat Japan's southernmost and largest artillery position in Taiwan. If the first and second lines of defense failed to hold, soldiers would retreat into the mountainous interior, where there were munitions depots, an airstrip, and extensive tunnels. There, Mr. Wu says, should all else fail, the troops were to regroup and fight to the finish. Mr. Wu says these lines of defense include over a hundred individual sites in total. They range from large and elaborate command centers to small, basic fortifications. Perhaps all this preparation wasn't a bad idea. According to Mr. Wu, there were elements in the American military that considered an invasion of Taiwan. A school of thought he says was led by Fleet Admiral Nimitz. But the cost of an invasion would have been high, especially on such a rugged island. And Mr. Wu says that others, like MacArthur, opposed the idea. Instead, the smaller island of Okinawa to the north was invaded. So Mr. Wu says the invasion never came. Taiwan was bypassed, and the fortifications on its southern end were kept well preserved for lack of action. I saw a report that said. Also well-preserved are records of these sites. Mr. Wu says he's even been left surprised by their completeness. But of course, building all this was no slapdash operation. He says there are two sources of historical records that tell us about these sites. The first is in Japan itself where Mr. Wu says documents give the names and responsibilities of the individual officers stationed in the forts. He says these records also show that while Taiwan's southern end is mostly rural, there were more troops stationed here than in the important southern city of Kaohsiung, not far away. The ranks of their commanders were also higher, showing how seriously the threat of an invasion here was taken. Details of the sites are also recorded at great length in handwritten inventories from the Republic of China military. At the war's end, the Republic of China government took control of Taiwan, and its military continued to use many of these sites after Japanese forces handed them over. A number of them were only decommissioned around 1990, with changes to a law governing munitions stores. Mr. Wu says nobody has requested all of these documents from the military yet. He says he's only seen a portion of them, and that some seem to be missing. After the war, many of the sites were forgotten. A number have since been rediscovered by amateurs who go out looking for them. Others, like the recent discovery on the university land, are found by accident. The Pingdong County Bureau of Cultural Affairs has inspected a number of these sites, and Mr. Wu himself has been among those to visit. The bureau is working to give the fortifications protected status as historic sites, but this work is just beginning. There is, Mr. Wu says, a general avoidance of thinking about World War II in Taiwan. 
He says the truth of the matter is that at the time of the war, Taiwan was a Japanese colony, fighting with the Axis powers, even if not willingly. He says the funds to pay for the construction of these fortifications came from taxes levied on Taiwan. He also says that Taiwanese laborers were made to do the construction work. Among those laborers, he says, was his grandfather. Mr. Wu says he feels, though, that any discomfort all this may cause is no reason to forget about the relics of the war. The past is what it is, he says. And whether because they can cause people to reflect on history or because they stimulate culture and tourism, Mr. Wu says these sites should be protected. From these sites, he says, people can see what role Taiwan and Pingdong County played in a global war. So far, only one of these 100-plus sites has been given historic site status. But plans to see more sites protected are already emerging. Mr. Wu says the idea is to protect these sites in stages. The project will start with those sites where the historical details are clearest, and issues with land ownership are the easiest to resolve. The local Cultural Heritage Committee plans to meet in mid-December to review these sites and their historical value. And after this, filings with the central government will bring more attention to these sites from higher up. As work to protect the sites gets underway, a part of Taiwan's past that's still being uncovered will be brought into the spotlight once again. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another Journey Through Time.